You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. short uh, series that I'm doing is really uh, dealing with relationships and it's a a good while since I was here that's why I read through John's Gospel chapter 1 verses 1 through to 8 again but I want to ask you a a question as we start off what does your relationship with God look like is it vibrant is it active is it reforming Or is it steel? Is it unproductive? Is it weak? Is it even non-existent? You see, in order for our relationship, folks, with God to be strong and vibrant and active and reforming and prominent and essential to our daily experiences then we need to num- or grasp a number of key issues. And as we look at John's gospel, as we look here into John's gospel chapter 1 and look at verse 1 through to verse 8, we have some identification, some idea of what it looks like to serve God. Because John's relationship with God as a servant sent to point others to the Savior to direct others to the glory of Christ gives us a stable foundation and an example from which to proceed with, to look at, to think about, to understand. You see, John's relationship with God was a vibrant relationship. It was an active relationship. It was a reforming relationship. It was a, a relationship that was real. I think I've said this before, so forgive me if I have, but if I had a pound coin for every time somebody told me they used to be saved, I'd be a millionaire. And I wouldn't just have a villa in Spain, I would have a house in in Palm Beach or somewhere in the United States. Because there's so many people out there who claim that they know the Savior, but they don't display it in their lives. Don't display it in their walk. Don't display it in their activity. Don't display it in their words. Don't display it in their face. Many believers you see run about and their faces on them like shovels. Big long face. Doesn't mean that you can't be sad and unhappy sometimes, but you know, what does your relationship with God really look like? Does it enthuse us? Does it fill us with joy? Or do we just pretend? It's all pretense. Because God sees through the walls of pretense. God sees what we really are when you shut your front door at night time. You turn the television off and you have time to think with your own thoughts. God sees what that's like and God sees you and me. God knows what we're really like. God knew what John was really like. There's three things I want to look at today very briefly. Verses verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6. The next slide, God calls and sends us. You can't phone God up on the telephone. You can't send him an email. You can't use Twitter to communicate with him. 
But what we find is that God, was, or God called John nonetheless. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. When I worked in the Belfast City Mission, God called me to that particular work. And then at a stage, God called me out of that work into this work. Remember, a school teacher saying to me one time, you should apply to the Presbyterian Church in Ireland to be a minister. And I laughed at him. I thought his head was cut. He says, what are you talking about? I couldn't do that. He says, you can't do that. But God can do it. And so he could, and so he has. And God called John, a fisherman. A man who lived his life in such a way. A man who knew what it was to go out in the middle of the night and throw a net down and pull as much fish in as possible. That was his livelihood, folks. And yet God called him. And of course, we also know that God sent him away from what he was accustomed to doing into a work that he was not accustomed to. God endorsed John as his disciple and as a follower of God. Does anybody know what the word John means from Hebrew? Jehovah has been gracious. And as somebody who bears that name, John, Jehovah definitely has been gracious to me. God called John the apostle away from his normal nine-to-five work and called him and sent him to be a follower. Jehovah was gracious to John. Not only did God endorse John as one of his followers, one of his disciples he needed to grow and learn and develop, but he also not only endorsed him, but he enabled him to do this specific task to which he was sent. He was sent from God. You see, John not only was called, he was chosen, he was sent, he was given the tools to prepare the landscape for Jesus Christ to come. He wasn't called to talk about himself. He wasn't called to talk about his own endeavors. He was called to talk about Christ and to prepare the land and the ground for Christ coming into the world. And when we get to John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, Jesus comes by and John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, when God calls us folks into his kingdom, he enables us to live in it. He enables us to have the mindset and the skill set and the tools to prepare for eternity. And that's the sort of days that we're living in. We need to be prepared, folks, for eternity. And unfortunately, in many lackluster a pulpit these days, we never hear about hell. We never hear about heaven. We never hear about eternity. We hear nice things, comforting things. But nonetheless, we don't hear that we need to be ready. People get ready to go to school. You get ready to go to university. You get ready to go on your holidays. You get ready to get married, which I haven't got around to yet, obviously. Uh, you get ready for loads of different things. And in the same way that God called John and sent John, God prepared John for eternity. And we need to be prepared for that same eternity, folks. If God calls and sends, then God sends and 
equips. I got a phone call about a month ago from another Presbyterian minister who's got two children, and they were having a gospel mission in their church, and it was the first time he had tried any of this sort of type of stuff. The guy's only there very recently, and he rang me up, and he says, look, you can say no, but I'm one of those sort of people that doesn't really like to say no, but sometimes you do have to, and he said, could you do me a favor? And I says, what is it? He says, could you come and look after my two children? I was going, ah, right. What do I know about looking after Wayans? Not a thing, not a notion. I go in the front door, lock the door and go, ah. He says, now you don't have to do it if you don't want, but silly me, of course, I decided I would go and give him a hand. Mommy puts the children to bed, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Baby monitor downstairs. Um, after 15 minutes when they left the house, <coughs> crying upstairs. The bull John goes up the stairs, lifts Timothy out of the cot, taps on the back, you'll be all right, son, you'll be all right, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. What do I know about Rearing Wayne's not a thing. What do parents know about Rearing them? Well, you know all about it when you have to do it. And then I thought, how am I going to get them to sleep? So I put them back down in the cot again. I had two wee teddy bears. And started to sing very quietly. Jesus loves me, this I know. A load of old hymns from years ago that I grew up with when I was a child. And as I was doing it, I was moving back towards the door in the hope that he would go to sleep. And when I got to the door, ah, again. Then I thought, do no sinful actions, speak no angry word. And eventually fell over asleep and I got back downstairs to normality again. I hadn't a notion what to do with that child. Not a notion. But you see, the, the moral of that particular scenario that I find myself in is that if God sends you something, do something, he equips you to do it. The parents come back and they said, how did you get on? Well, I says, he cried a wee bit. Oh, he must have done well. He's not crying now. You see, when God sends and equips his people, he engages with them and he engages here with John. It says, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Not believe through John, but believe through the words that he has communicated to those who would believe. You see, John's relationship was one of obedience to God. John did as God asked him to do. And he was someone who was able to bear testimony to the fact that God had saved him and that God was keeping him and that God was helping him and that he was a follower of God. And so he was called not only to engage with God, but he was to engage with other people so that they might hear that same gospel that was transforming his life. And not only would he engage, but God would fill him full of strength and courage to tell others about someone else, to tell others not about himself, but about Christ, the light, so that in listening to what he had to say and believing what he had to say, that he would bear witness about that same light, that same Jesus Christ, that all who listen, that all who take it on board, that all who really 
think about it, will believe. And folks, that's what we need in these days. We need strength and courage to tell others about that same Savior, Jesus Christ, who has transformed your life and my life, if that is the case for you. And that's hard. And the hardest place of all to do it is on your own doorstep, in your own home, with your own family. Before my mom got saved, I found it much easier to talk to her about the things of eternity down the telephone than I did face to face. And that showed that I was a bit of a card in those things. But the Lord saved her at 72 years of age. When God sent John, God equipped John to do the job that he'd sent him to do. Remember when I worked on the Belfast City Mission, there was, um, I remember conducting a funeral at one stage, and uh, sometimes people have a habit of, of really telling you how to do your job. Um, and I would never dream of telling a teacher how to teach in a classroom or an accountant how to do the books, hopefully not to cook them, but how to do them. Uh, I would never tell a farmer how to milk a cow. I would never tell somebody who's involved in business how to run their business. But sometimes people feel that they need to tell you what happens at a funeral and what doesn't happen at it. And Belfast is the hotbed of that, where they want mad music and mad things said and things about feathers floating down from heaven and their mother or father or whoever communicating with them from beyond the grave. It's all manner stuff that goes on. And you know something, folks? Even at a funeral service, it's a time to think about things. It's a time to to get right with God. Not a time for all this other paraphernalia. God sent John as a witness. Anytime a minister gets into this pulpit, they come up here as a witness. A witness not to themselves, but a witness to what Christ has done for them and what Christ can do for you. God calls and sends. He sends and equips. And the third slide, God equips and instructs us. You see, the I am of Exodus has sent Christ to us. Jesus said, I am, because he is. And what does God equip us to do? And what, did God, what was God equipping John to do? Well, he was equip, equipping John for works of service, as he does in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, with those who believe. And in equipping and instructing us, he gives us endurance. If you were training for the Belfast Marathon, you would, you know, or any sort of run, you have to, you have to train really hard for those things. I can't imagine um, what it would be like to do that because I've never done it. But you need a certain amount of endurance. And you need to build up your stamina and you need to look after yourself and you need to eat the right things and, and whatever. But you need endurance. And this internal light that John speaks of has total control, total power, total sovereignty. And preparation for what John had to say is vital. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And how many today in society for them, church is surplus to requirements, Public worship is surplus to requirements, folks. 
and we all got used to one stage to sitting in the house and watching services, and whilst online service is really a positive thing, there's nothing beats being together, because that's what public worship is. Public worship is not sitting in your nightdress with your feet up, with a cup of coffee, watching the service online. That is not what public worship is. Public worship is this, and that's why we need to bite. That's why we need to be engaged. That's why we need to be involved. And that's why preparation for eternity is absolutely essential. We need to endure. He was not the light. John knew that he did not come as the Savior, but that he came to bear witness to that Savior who is the light of the world. Not only do we need endurance, but John also needed encouragement. And John's faithfulness to the Word of God and faithfulness to that light who is the Word, is absolutely exemplary. He tells of the light, and yet simultaneously he is hidden by it. He hides behind the cross, in other words. And folks, whenever we share the gospel, we need to hide behind the cross, because not one of us could have made propitiation for our sin. Not one of us could have gone to the cross of Calvary and died for the sins of many. Not one of us has the capability of going to Calvary and going through all the rigors and the difficulties and the pains and the sufferings and the nails and the piercings that Jesus Christ went through. Not one of us. And yet, we are able to bask in the light and in the glory of what Christ has done at the cross and what Christ is doing even in our lives this very afternoon. See, folks, if God calls, He will send. If God sends, He will equip. And if God equips, He will also instruct us how to live. How are you living today? What's your relationship with God look like? Is it vital to you? Is it life and meat and peace and joy and eternal security to you, or does it mean nothing? is a tick box exercise. Because if that is what it is, you're not heading to eternity full of joy. You're heading to eternity is full of pain. We're called, we're sent, we're equipped, and we're instructed. We need to follow Christ today. And this is the time to get right with God. If you're not right with the Lord today, this is the time to get right right now. Not next week, not some other time, not when your hair's grayer, not when you've left your bank account, not whenever you're a bit older, whatever it happens to be. Now. Relationships, what's your relationship with God look like? Do you have one? Are you still outside of his kingdom? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word again today. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and help us to understand all of these things about eternity. And Lord, that we would get ready with you now. Not next month or next year, right now. So Father God in heaven, speak to us of things that are timely and eternal. And we ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.